but today we remember those who have lost their lives defending our country. Tomorrow is Memorial Day and we remember them who paid the ultimate price. But not only am I thankful for the freedom that we have in our nation, I'm thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ. Because you see, even though we live in a country that is free, we're free from tyranny, we're free uh, to, to live life as we please, we're still, most of our country is still in bondage. The Bible says that we are by default in chains to sin. That we can't free ourselves from it. And so today, as the people of God, as we gather together and we remember the men and women who gave us freedom in our land, let's also remember that we are people who are truly free. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. We've been set free from bondage to death. And this freedom, just like the freedom in our country, did not come cheap. It came from the death of God's Son. You know, you often hear it said salvation is free, and indeed it is. Salvation is free, but that doesn't mean it's cheap. It cost Him everything. But not only do we see Christ laying down His life for us, but you've got to look at the 2,000 years in between when Christ died, when He rose again victorious over the grave, and now, how did the Gospel come to us? And the answer, of course, is it came to us on the backs of men and women who gave up their life for their faith. And so, not only should we remember the men and women that gave up their lives for our freedom and our country, we need to remember also the men and women that gave up their lives so that we might have a chance to hear the gospel and respond. You know, a lot of times the Christian life is compared to a race. The Christian life uh, is like a race supposed to be run with endurance. I mean, if you think about a marathon, if you go sprinting through a marathon, you're not going to get very far before you get tired. But of course, the key to running a great distance is endurance. Endurance. The race is not merely learning more knowledge as often we think it is. The Christian life is not a life where, man, I just need to, to, to get more knowledge in my head, but actually it is an experience of living out faith with obedience. The race is exhausting. The race is difficult. But the race is worth it. The race is very much worth it. And the, the thing that makes this, this race called the Christian life so great is that God is the one who has set the race before us. We're not running a track that's designed by somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. We're running the course that God has set before us. The life of obedience and faith God has set before us that we may run in it. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. 
In other words, God has ordained us. Once we come to Christ, He has ordained us to run this race that He has set before us. And that's where in the text, Hebrews 11 and 12, that's the idea that we see there. Running a race. And the main thing that we see in Hebrews, the end of Hebrews 11 and the beginning of Hebrews 12 is that we've got to run the race called the Christian life with endurance. And here's how we do it. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. Let's go to God's Word. We're going to pick up reading in Hebrews 11.32. And if you would please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word together. In Hebrews 11, he's telling us about the line of faith. Like He's talking about how from the beginning the, there have been men of faith, and he's tracing it from the beginning of, Bible, of the Bible uh, until the time of his writing. And we're going to pick up about halfway through that word he's starting to summarize. Verse 32 says this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. That sounds great. I want that faith. Oh wait, but let's read the rest of it. Some others, he said, verse 30, uh, middle of verse 35, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What do we make of all this? Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Father in heaven, as we approach Your Word, help us, Lord, to see that if we are in Christ, You have set a race before us. And that running is not optional. You've set a race before us and we must run. And Lord, help us to see 
today through your word how to do it. How we're to make it through this life as Christians. How we're to live the Christian life. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question of the hour is, how do we run this race? How do we run this race? Well, step one is simply this. Find an example. Find an example. When you think about a runner, every runner needs support. And when I say support, I don't mean that they need somebody you know, that, that they look to for financial help. I don't, I don't mean all this. I mean they need somebody they can look to as an example. Every runner needs someone that they can look to, a more mature runner, so they know how to do it. And in this passage, that's exactly what we see. We see chapter 11 telling us uh, about the heritage of faith that we have. Chapter 11 tells us all about the people of faith in the Bible. And at first, it looks so great. I mean, think about it. You've got Abraham. Think about all the miracles he saw. He was able to keep his son. God provided a substitute. Think of Moses who victoriously, mightily led the people out of bondage in Egypt. You think of all of the little things. How he was saying that people were victorious. They conquered. But then all of a sudden in verse 35, things take quite a turn as we start to see the faith that we are called to is not always a faith that ends well for us. And I want to zoom in in particular as we look as we're facing Memorial Day, zoom in on these people. In verse 35, he tells the people who had faith, the same faith that Abraham had, the same faith that Moses had, the same faith that all these people who were victorious had, and yet they suffered. It says some were tortured. Others were mocked. They were flogged. They often wore chains and were in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. See, the faith that we're called to have as Christians is not just a faith that endures in the good times. It's not just a faith that endures when everything's going our way. We're called to have a faith that endures even when things are going very badly. And notice these martyrs that were suffering, that were dying for their faith. There are two statements that the author of Hebrews makes about them. And the first one is, they knew that death was not the end. There at the end of 1135, he says, they do all this so that that they might rise again to a better life. So that they might rise again to a better life. They knew that death was not the end. When I think about those who have given their life for their faith, that's the way that they do it. They know that death is not the end. I read a story that uh, about a, a pastor in a congregation that for years uh, a pastor and 27 of his of his congregants in Korea lived in a hand dug tunnel beneath the earth they were in hiding they were literally underground but then the communists decided 
that they were going to build a road. And as they did that, they discovered all these Christians living underground, worshiping underground. And this is how the story goes. The officials brought them out before a crowd of 30,000 in the village of Goksan for a public trial and execution. They were told, deny Christ or you will die. But they refused. At this point, the head communist officer ordered four children from the group seized and had them prepared for hanging. With ropes tied around their small necks, the officer again commanded the parents to deny Christ. Not one of the believers would deny their faith. They told the children, we will see you soon in heaven. The children died quietly. I don't know about you, I would have gave it up when my kids were about to be killed. The officer then called for a steamroller to be brought in. He forced the Christians to lie on the ground in its path. As its engines revved, they were given one last chance to recant their faith in Jesus. Again, they refused. As the steamroller began to inch forward, the Christians began to sing a song they had often sung together. As their bones and their bodies were crushed under the pressure of the massive rollers, their lips uttered the words, More love to Thee, O Christ, more love to Thee. Thee alone I seek, more love to Thee. Let sorrow do its work, more love to Thee. Then shall my last breath whisper Thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. More love, O Christ, to Thee. The reason that those North Korean believers could stand there and bear to watch their children die and then themselves die was because they knew that death was not the end for them. And they had the faith to tell their kids, I know that you're about to die. I mean, can you imagine telling a little kid that? Honey, I know you're about to die, but I'm going to see you in just a minute on the other side. And just like them, the martyrs in Hebrews 11 could do it because they knew that they would rise again to a better life. The second thing that is said about these martyrs in Hebrews 11 is the world was not worthy of them. In verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. One commentator says this, their presence in the world was itself evidence of God's grace. For their proclamation of the word of God to sinful people was a greater privilege than the people deserved. God's grace was so evident in these people's lives that the people they were sent to didn't even deserve them to come. What a statement. What a statement. Time would fail me if I started telling you about other missionaries, others who have suffered and died for their faith. Even some Baptists like Adoniram Judson, who suffered so badly that he fled into the jungle and lived in solitude and he dug a grave for himself 
And every day, he would go and look at that grave and beg God that he would put him in it. We have a heritage of faith. But not just faith in the good times, but people who had faith even when it cost them their lives. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now we know something about the witnesses he's talking about. We're surrounded by a lot of witnesses who had faith, and even the witnesses who died for their faith. The word surrounded there gives you the image of spectators in a sport. The ones who are surrounded, who are cheering on the people who are competing. They have already finished their race, and now they're cheering for us when it's our turn. Spectators encourage the runners so that the runners won't become weary and in the same way, we can look to these people who've already gone before us when we start to get weary. And they can encourage us. One, one songwriter puts it this way, as saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. The author of Hebrews is saying that we need to find an example we need to look to these people who have gone before us in the faith. And we need to try to emulate the faith that they had. We need to try to live up to the example that they have set for us. But here's the reality for us in this room. Just to be completely honest with you. Most, if not all of us, will not be called upon to give our life for our faith. Because of the other men and women who have fought and died in the battlefield. So the question for us is not necessarily, will you lay down your physical life for your faith? But it's, are we being faithful to lay down our lives for Jesus every day? The question for us is not, will you die for Him? The question for us is rather, will you live for Him? We look at these guys who are laying down their lives and we say to ourselves, you know, I just don't think I can, I can, I can go in the Christian life. And we, we just say, oh, it's so hard. And then we look at these guys and they've given everything. How can we not at least live for Him? How can we not be regular in our time with His Word? How can we not be regular in our time with prayer? How come we can't be regular with our church attendance? When it literally costs us nothing and it costed people like that everything. The question for us is not will we die for Him? The question is will we live for Him? Will we join the mission? Will we live for the mission to tell others about Christ? But also I think for us, there are some of you in here that you are just tired. You're, war, you're just worn out from the race. You feel like you can't go another step. And for you, I would say, look at these people and let them encourage you. Let them encourage you to keep going one more step. Let them encourage you to keep going because these people that have gone before us in the faith, 
they know what it's like to be weary. But also we can look at them and see that people who were weary finished the race. And if they can do it, we can too. Step one, find an example. Step two, be prepared. Be prepared. How do we run the race? Well, we've got to prepare for the race. Any runner before a race, they do something that is the same for every runner. They take off any unnecessary weight. In fact, many of, the, many of these runners, their preparation begins many months before the race itself because they go out and they buy the lightest shoes. A lot of these running shoes, a big, a big fad these days, a big trend is to have the running shoes so light that it feels like you're barefooted. And the reason for that is because you don't want any weight that's unnecessary that you can minimize. And these shoes are getting lighter and lighter. And the running clothes are getting lighter and lighter. And the reason is because as you run, you do not want heavy clothes on you. You don't want heavy shoes on you that will slow you down. The author of Hebrews goes on and he says, after he tells us that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. He gives us two categories here of things we need to take off as we run the race and as we prepare for the race. First, he says, every weight. Now, when he says every weight, I think he's, he's talking about things that are not necessarily sinful, but things that would slow down a believer. He's talking about things that may not be wrong in and of itself, that may not be sinful for us to do, but it still slows us down in the race. And if it's, if it's not discarded, if it's not taken off, it very well might become sinful for us to do. And the second thing that he says that we need to take off is the sin which clings so closely. He's not just talking about the big sin. He's talking about Sin in general. And notice he says the sin, and he, he describes it as clinging so closely. It clings so closely to us. He's not just describing big things. He's describing each and everything. He's describing the big things along with the little things. He's describing the sins that's easy for us to overlook. But the thing about it is sin slows us down in the race. Sin makes it harder for us to run in the race. A lot of times we think, well, I'm good. I'm not doing the big stuff, right? I'm not a, I'm not a drunkard. I'm not lazy. I, I'm, you know, I provide for my family. I don't go and be promiscuous and have sex outside. I don't do these big things, you know. But a lot of times we miss when we say, well, I don't do the big things. We miss all the little things. Some of which we are not able even to see without God showing them to us. He's calling us not just to take off the weight and the things that will encumber us. He's talking to us about finding, rooting out sin. One Puritan said it this way. He said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. We think, well, you know, that's not, so, that's not such a big deal. This sin, and I'm, this is really not a big deal. 
And then we get slower. And that causes our attitude to change a little bit. And now we, we are comfortable with that sin. So now we're, we're, we're comfortable adding another sin. Well, it's not that big of a deal. And next thing you know, we're barely able to walk. And we complain and say, I just don't understand why this is so hard. It's because we've given up our fight with sin. We've given up on living for holiness. We've given up on pursuing the Lord and fighting against sin. He tells us that if we're going to run the race, we've got to be prepared. We've got to take off weight. We've got to take off sin. So my question for you is, what, what's the weight in your life that's causing you trouble as you run the Christian life? What's the weight that you need to take off? What's making it harder for you to run? may not necessarily be sin, but what is, it, what is making it harder for you to live for the Lord? And he's saying, take it off. If it's causing you a hindrance in your walk for the Lord, get rid of it. But not just the, the question for you today is not just what's the weight in your life. The question for you is what are the sins that you are clinging to? What are the sins that you're, that you're saying, you know, this is not that big of a deal. Let me just move on with my life. Because let me tell you, those are the very sins that you need to repent of. Those are the very sins that you need to fight against. Are you even fighting? Or do you just go with the flow? Do you just let sin come and go as it will? He tells us that we need to be prepared. Finally, step three is stay focused. Stay focused. You know, I'm not much of a runner. But when I run, the thing that gets me to the end, as I'm suffering and as I'm pushing, I'm thinking, you know what? There's going to be a finish line. Eventually, I'm going to get to the end and it's going to be over and I'm going to feel great. And it's that focus that keeps us going as we run. That's exactly what he describes here. He tells us, let us run the race with endurance. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When he says looking to Jesus, that word looking means to direct one's attention to without distraction. To fix your eyes on something. In the Christian life, the finish line that we're looking to is Christ Himself. And notice what the author of Hebrews calls Him. He calls Him the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author or the founder means the one who originates. In other words, Jesus is the forerunner. He's the one that opened up the course for us to run on it in the first place. He is the one that started us on this race. How did, he, how did He do that? Well, throughout the book of Hebrews, two answers emerge from that. First of all, He did it through His sacrificial death. Jesus lived the life that we could not live. Perfectly righteous. Perfectly holy. And He died in our place. He died the death that we deserve, as we just sang about. While on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. But there's another way that He opens up the race for us. And it's not just through His death, 
But it's through what happened after his death. He ascended into heaven. And he is interceding for us. When we see that he is the founder of our faith. That implies not just that he put us on the race. But that he is keeping us on the track. The second thing it describes him as is the perfecter. The perfecter. The one who brings something to a successful conclusion. Jesus is the one. I want you all to hear this. This is so great. Jesus is the one who will cause us to finish the race. Jesus is the one who will cause us to finish the race. He didn't just enable us to start the race, but praise God, He is sustaining us during the race. He doesn't just save us so that He can leave us on our own to figure it out, but He saves us so that then He can get us to the finish line. You might be here today and feel like giving up. You might be here today and feel like, I can't go another step. This is too hard. And let me tell you, we have a Savior who walks with us in the race, who won't leave us, who won't forsake us, no matter how hard it gets. And He's the Savior that's going to make sure that we get to the finish line. You know, we as Baptists, we believe uh, the perseverance of the saints. We believe that once somebody is saved, that they're always saved. And the reason we believe that is not because we believe something better about us, But we believe that this Savior who saved us, if He really did save us, is really going to get us to the end. And that's the best news for us who are struggling. He's going to get us there. He's going to cause us to finish the race. And so we need to look to Him. When you're feeling weary, look to Him. When it gets too hard for you to bear, look to Him. When you suffer loss, look to Him. Not only is Jesus the founder, not only is he the perfecter, but he ran this race too. He ran this race too. And this is how he became the founder and the perfecter. This is how he can get us to the finish line. He ran a race. He endured the cross, despising its shame. And notice it says, for the joy set before him. He did it for the joy that was set before Him. Despite the pain and the anguish, His race had a superior joy. And listen, if we are in Christ this morning, whatever pain comes, we have a superior joy. Whatever suffering we endure, we have a joy that goes far beyond that. We can be joyous. We can have peace in any circumstance. Jesus said that he despised the shame of the cross. Because of this joy that he had, the cross was nothing to him. He could endure it. He can get through it. And listen, I love how the text ends there in verse 2. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus didn't just die and that's the end. Jesus finished the race. Jesus has a victory at the end of the race. The forerunner of our race was victorious. And so listen, here's what that means for us. We're going to be too. And I'm not talking about a prosperity victory. I'm not saying that we're going to live victorious lives. I'm saying that as we go through this life, whatever comes, whatever pain, whatever suffering in the end, we will share in Christ's victory. 
we're going to be victorious also. And just like with Jesus, the pain of the race, hear this, the pain of the race is temporary. But the reward and the joy is eternal. It may hurt right now. And I don't know what all y'all are facing. It may hurt right now. You may feel like there's no end to it right now, but hear these words. The pain is only temporary. The race is only temporary. But the joy that we find in the race is eternal. We've got to run the race of the Christian life with our eyes fixed on our Savior. How do we do that? Step one. Find an example. Look to others. When you feel like you can't run yourself, look at those who have gone before us. Step two. Be prepared. Take off every weight. Fight sin. Step three. And most importantly, focus everything on Jesus. He's going to get you through it. He's going to get you through it. As we think about responding to God's word, maybe some of you here today, you're weary, you're tired of running. I don't know what you're facing. You might just feel like it's overwhelming to you. For you, as we respond, as we sing in just a moment, I want you to ask Jesus. I want you just to stay seated where you are and pray and ask Jesus to give you focus on Him. In just a moment, as we stand and sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, I pray that you would stay seated, that you would pray and ask Him that you would do just that. That He would help you to focus on Him. Ask God to reveal to you sin and weight that you need to take off. And some of you already know what that weight is, by the way. Some of you don't have to ask God, Lord, what sin am I... Am I, am I looking over? You already know what it is, and for you, you need to repent. You need to take that sin off. You need to turn away from it, and you need to ask God for forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're not, you haven't even started the race yet. Maybe you're here, and you're not a Christian. We don't hold out to you a life that's free of pain. We don't hold out to you like Joel Osteen, your best life now. What we hold out to you is a Savior who walks with you. A Savior who died in your place. A Savior who can forgive you. And a Savior who will never leave you or forsake you. And if that's you this morning, it would bring me no greater joy than to point you to the start of the race and for you to begin that journey this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you, Lord, that you've put us on a race. You've put us on a trajectory to you. We were wandering our own way. We were running a race before. We were racing to hell in bondage and in chains. And yet you pursued us. You looked on us with grace. And you saved us. 
Help us, Lord, to run. Help us, Lord, to live for your glory. Help us, Lord, to pursue you with everything that we have. I pray that you would move in this place, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would convict people of sin. That this morning people would find freedom. That this morning people would find encouragement for the race. Lord, I pray that this morning those who aren't even on the race yet will be saved by you and put on the track. In Jesus' name, amen.